Hello everybody and welcome to episode number 65 of the Rewatch Project with Hannah and Mike where we will be covering episode number 15 of season 3 of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. namely the episode Space Time. Hannah, how are you this evening? I am not too bad, I'm on the improve. Really, would you, uh, how would you sort of characterise things in contrast to uh, recent times? Well, I'm still limping and I'm still uh, definitely not back to 100%, but I can actually walk. I can um, uh, do ablutions in the normal fashion. Yeah, and most crucially, you can cook and clean. (laughs) (laughs) And that's all that matters to you. (laughs) You're like, yeah, and punch and kick as well, Mike. So watch yourselves. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, It's funny, the... um, my co-host on my other podcast is still sick as well, so it's like, I don't know, I'm, I'm just, I'm mad, bad and dangerous to know, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, Hannah, tell us about the episode that we're going to be talking okay. about tonight. Space Time, it says, when Daisy gets a horrifying glimpse of the future, S.H.I.E.L.D. races to prove that fate is not fixed. It is directed by Kevin Tankerowan and written by Jed and Marissa Tankerowan. Jed Weaven and Marissa Tankerowan. Marissa Sissa Tankerowan. <laughs> I haven't even had a drink. I know. Well, you haven't even started on your lemonade this evening. I know. Um, and when did you say? It aired on the 5th of April 2016. Nice. I'm looking forward to this one because it's written by the showrunner, so that's always a good sign. Uh, it's directed by the key um, director. Now, I know that this isn't one of the... Like all shows, there are a handful of episodes that are always held up as being like the, the real stonkers. This isn't one of them. I think this is just a, you know, generally regarded, not that that means anything, as like a, you know a solid episode. Um, but I'm really enjoying where we are in the series at the moment because it really does feel like a first-time watch in some mm, ways. Because yeah. I remember... I know where the show it's goes. It's been quite a while since we've seen this sort of stuff yeah, well, it, it is like that yeah and we've said before that, that this um, these episodes were airing during a particularly hectic part of our lives um, so we were probably you know just we wa- were a month out from having a second child yeah yeah and you know it was uh, we were still you know relatively new in New Zealand as well so you know things were pretty hectic at this point so the thing that's nice is I'm going back and I think also Watching shows for a podcast is a different experience because you pay more attention. So I think you just more you get more into it. Mm. You get more into the storyline. You are more engaged because you're not um, half watching it. On, yeah, on your phone. Well, and also you're taking notes and then discussing it. So mm. I've said before, it's a lot like revising for an exam. Yeah. It's the same process. So to go, to be going back and watching episodes, I can't really remember that very much, but really immersed in the show is akin to watching something for the first time, so that's you know, that's good. Mm. I, I uh, appreciate that. Um, Shall I do a couple of quick bits of housekeeping? Indeed, and we've got some feedback. Okay. Um, so first and foremost, um, just a quick reminder that we appreciate reviews on Apple Podcasts, so mm-hmm. if you could go on there and do that, that would be great. Um, also, um, we are on social media, at a rewatch proj. That's uh, rewatch P-R-O-J. And also check out our friend shows, namely The Iron Sequel, um, Film Bastards, his film, her movie, Entertainment Landfill, and Chinstroker versus Punter. I think Entertainment Landfill might be coming back. I don't know if you saw the exchange, the Twitter exchange. No, I'm not on Twitter. Between me, uh, Bill, and uh, Jason. I'll show you in, uh, in a minute, actually. I don't want to get into mm. too much. I don't know if they I mean, it's all out there on mm. social media, but... Uh, 
yeah, interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll fill you okay. in on that shortly. Um, and um, really, probably the key way, the key ways to communicate with us, as you will see in a moment, are either on YouTube. So if you find our YouTube channel, you can comment on the episodes there. Or if you want to send us more substantial uh, feedback or even a voicemail, you can do that by emailing. Do uh, it, do it, do it. Uh, yes, you, you can send us either like an MP3 voice memo or whatever. Or you can just send us a good old-fashioned email to rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail.com. So feedback, Hannah, please. Okay, so we've got three YouTube comments and one email. So I'll read the YouTube comments first. Okay. Um, This is relating to episode 13, Parting Shot. Jack Dubbs says, The fact that Marvel's Most Wanted never happened and we never saw Bobby and Hunter interact with the team ever again makes the finality of this episode hit even harder. Mm. They left together and never came back together. Yeah, it's funny because I wonder if... um the people who were like really into the show because one thing I've come to realise because obviously doing this podcast I've sort of engaged a little bit with the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan community you know like I've joined a few Facebook groups so I can promote the podcast that kind of thing Yeah, is a lot of people are really into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and a lot of people as demonstrated Rightly so. know a lot more about it than we do Yeah, yeah. and I think often those people are people who um are either really into the MCU or, well, and or are really into the comics as well. So there's this mm. other level of understanding. Yeah. And um, I think that I wonder if at the time maybe the edge was taken off them leaving because, you know, people knew they were going to be getting their own show. So I'd be curious to know what the timeline was. I'd be curious to know whether word had got out that Most Wanted wasn't going to series before or after this aired yeah or whether when this aired people were like oh it doesn't matter they're going to be coming back in their own show yeah so the disappointment of them leaving the show was actually kind of um, postponed I seem to remember first time round, and this I mean it could be a false memory but I sort of seem to remember that it was very close together that we like that they left and then we found out that it was kind of a no-go is that, would yeah. you say that's about right? I think so. I, mean, I, I don't even know if I knew that they were having a spin-off show. Yeah, or, or you whether did, they were because just... you told me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Sounds um, like me. Right. So, uh, next one is regarding uh, episode 14, Watchdogs. Um, Silver Surfer says, The dangerous compound that the Watchdogs use is from season one of Agent Carter. was originally oh. developed by Howard Stark. If you haven't seen season one of Agent Carter, do it. It's really good and ties nicely, ties in nicely between Captain America: First Avenger and Iron Man Two. Season two is okay and has a small tie-in with season four of Agent. Yeah, Carter. I really like Agent Carter. I, know, we I know, love uh, Agent Carter. I, I particularly remember the first season being really good as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, that's, a, that's yeah, a and that's that's a a highly good recommend yeah. um if if you like agents of shield and you haven't watched agent carter get on it and it felt very much part of the agents of shield universe very you much know, um I, I think a lot of the same people were involved in in the making of the show yeah. and also it was also on abc along with because you've got the abc shows you've got the netflix shows you've got the disney plus shows but now they're all going back to disney plus you're starting to see this kind of reunification i guess mm. so my my feeling is that all this multiverse stuff that you're starting to see 
in Doctor Strange and um, the recent Spider-Man mm. um, and WandaVision and uh, Loki as well. I think that's a having their cake and eating things. I think what they can say is um, that they could say that if they want Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to be canon but not canon, mm. they can just say, oh, it's a multiverse thing. Right. You know, it exists in a different universe but is part of the same continuity, if you see what I mean. A bit yeah. like, I guess, a bit like the J.J. Abrams Star Trek films. Yeah. Um, Having the prime timeline and the alternative. And there's one thing, I'm not going to say what it is, but there's something that happens later in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that I suspect. And when we get there, I'll be really interested to hear from some of our regular feedbackers who, who are already in the know on these things. There's something that happens later that I think was the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. creative team deliberately giving a way of saying that they departed from the same timeline as the MCU at a certain point. Mm. So I almost feel like everything up to a certain point in the show is the same universe as the the MCU films. Mm. But at a certain point, a sci-fi thing happens that makes it diverge. And from then on, um, I think it really is its own thing. Mm. Um, but uh, but yeah, yeah. Right, so the next YouTube comment is also in relation to Watchdogs. Jack Dub says, This episode has quite a few references to the greater MCU, the most notable one being the first reference in the MCU to the Damage Control Cleanup Group that will eventually be seen in Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, that was Michael Keaton's crew, wasn't it? Yeah. So that was just a little tidbit cool. of information. That's awesome. Right. So Lucia, I like it. We have um thank you for those comments by the way. Yep. Keep them coming. I love I love the fact that an episode gets posted and within the first twelve hours we've got like, Oh, did you know blah 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 and it's so it's Yeah, that's great because we don't have time it. to do the research. We've got barely got time to record, watch the episode, edit and post. Yeah. So uh that's uh that's great. And and just always great to get someone else's opinion on things, mm. you know. Um, right, so we have an email entitled New Listener. Oh, that's good. Hello, Mike and Hannah. My name is Natalie, and I wanted to reach out to say I have just started listening to your Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. rewatch from the beginning. I love a rewatch podcast much more than just a typical recap podcast because I can go in knowing that the hosts like the show enough to go back again. So I don't have to listen to it scared that you're going to shit on all the parts I love. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can shit on one or two things I love. There are things about this show that I enjoy poking at as well. I'm really enjoying your banter so far. Anyway, just wanted to say thanks for making the podcast. I'm looking forward to catching up to you. Awesome. Let us know where you are. Absolutely. Yes. Where are you? And, And as far as the whole sort of like, you know, shitting on things, it's like I don't get why somebody would do that. I don't get why somebody would do a podcast. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I'm not one of those people where uh, it's all about drinking the Kool-Aid. You know, because it's like if you... I mean, I'm in loads of groups for geeky things and you always get those, I've said before, those binary arguments of this is shit, if this is all shit. And then other people going, well, if you don't like it while you're on this board, you know, and mm. the board. But then you get people who anytime anybody says even anything even remotely critical, they're like, well, if you don't like it while you're watching. Yeah. And it's just like, you're all idiots. Yeah. You know, I mean, my, my view is I wouldn't do a rewatch project on something that we didn't like. Yeah. Um, and I think that all of the time when I kind of rib these things, it's a little bit like... Um, it's one of the reasons that I like things like Lower Decks, for example. It's one of those things where it's kind of like, we're allowed to make fun of it in the family. 
Yeah. You know, it's like we're allowed to do that, mm. and you know, again, things like I'm allowed to talk shit about my mother, but don't you do? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and a lot of the time, it's. It's contextualised, you know, it'll be like, yeah, okay, I can see why this happened. I mean, we've talked, for example, with this season, that there are certain things, there there was a bit of circumstance conspiring, Mm. uh, and the fact that they, uh, you know, have to make 24 of these things a year, and that's not an excuse, but what that means is that that's not, I don't look at that from the perspective of like, oh, okay, that means it's allowed to be crap. I look at it from the perspective of like, wow, it's really extraordinary how good the show is, considering they have they have yeah, yeah. to do all of these and kind of I things. I think that's something to like that you know our listeners probably know going in is that we're coming in at a level of, um, you know, we have a, a lot of affection for the show and we love it and it's great, you yeah. know. So um, we're never going to think an episode is out and out crap. Yeah, because because it's intrinsically something we like, and yeah. it's, it's like to use a music analogy. It's like you know when bands or artists do songs that aren't your favourites, it's still them. A concept album. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a, a concept album. Um, I, I I don't even really know what I'm talking about. I just, yeah, <laughs> but um, throw that out. But no, no, no. A lot of ba- a lot of bands' most derided albums are concept albums. So you're you're on the right track there. But um, but no, I mean my, my view of it is. Um, you know, there's nothing worse, and this is difficult now, when you watch something, it could be anything, it could be sports, it could be music or whatever, but, but let's talk about you know, geeky things, and you enthusiastically go to the internet and everyone's like, oh, it was shit. Mm. And you're like, ah. Where are my people? Yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> and often, I just don't get it. And, and that's why I think a lot of subconscious bias, because I think the problem is, back in the day, you would only hear the opinions of your friends and qualified critics. Yeah. Now, everybody has these platforms, and that's great. I mean, we are doing a podcast. Yeah, you know, yeah. we're, we are an embodiment of that. Um, but I think the problem is that people are like, oh, film critics, you know, just because they're educated doesn't mean that they're right. It's like, no, it doesn't. But it means that they'll probably be quite capable in articulating why they have these opinions. Mm. And I think when I see bad criticism, it's not that their opinions are bad, it's that either they don't qualify mm. it or explain it or justify it, or there's really obviously some kind of subconscious bias going on that mm. they're not aware of. Yeah. Like so, like for example, a lot of the time, let's look at the two big franchises, Star Trek and Star Wars. A lot of the time when I see criticism of these things and I'm like, well, but hang on, but you like that and you don't like this. Mm. A lot of the time I look at it and I think sometimes, and I know this is awful and a lot of people take this tax, but sometimes I can't help but think, you know, the only difference really is that there's more women in this mm. than there were before or something like that or yeah. there's more people of colour in this. Or, and I think that often when you say that to people, they kick off and they're like, I'm not racist, I'm not. It's like, well... You know, I don't think maybe consciously you are, and mm. and and some stuff's just crap. But mm. that, but that's fine. But the onus is on you if you're going to put your opinion out there, mm. particularly. And it's different. It's like if you if you just put your opinion out there, that's absolutely fine. What are, what annoys me is when you celebrate something and mm. you just go out there and go, oh, I really enjoyed this thing, and then people come and just tell you that you're wrong. Mm. And and even but even then, I'm like, okay, well, that's fair enough. But where, and then they just don't qualify it or articulate it or just go or criticize it for things 
Like the thing that cracks me up was, let's use Star Wars as an example, when people go, oh, oh, The Last Jedi was so dumb. You know, there was like, and, there, and people, I remember once somebody going, oh, they, they drop, um, they drop rockets in space and there's no gravity in space. And it's like, um, there's no sound in space either, but there's lasers that make noise. Yeah. It's like, you have to. It's like for, you for have this, to go with something for, to a certain degree. For this to bother bother you in this film, but not in this film, says. And sometimes those biases are just as simple as not being ten anymore. Yeah, you but know, like, and I can put that um, on like, you know, very popular film critics. Think about Mark Kermode. Yeah, he just does not like Quentin Tarantino, and that's fine. But it makes any review he does of a Tarantino film really fucking biased. Yeah. Um, he just out and out does not like anything that guy yeah. does. And that's fine if he admitted that. Yeah, yeah. But he doesn't. He says, oh, well, it's bad for this and that and da da da. And it's like he's pulling some of his, his um, opinions out of his ass. Yeah. And I think what we're talking about here is it's lack of self awareness. Like the stuff that I don't like. And I know it's just because it pisses me off. And I know it pisses me off because of this, 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 and this. And everybody has subconscious stuff that goes on. But I think that... that, that, But at the same time, conversely, I wouldn't want to listen to a podcast or read a blog or anything like that that was just people mindlessly squawking about how awesome something is. Definitely. I think think that if if you're reviewing something or doing a show like we are about something that you are fundamentally like mm. then I think you have to there's certain, certain things you have to do you have to be informative you have to be you know dare I say entertaining um, and also you kind of have to be devil's advocate yeah well. you have to split hairs and go oh, I don't like this moment as mm. well but it doesn't really matter because you know but but my view is I, I'm I think we are overwhelmingly positive because we wouldn't want to spend our free time Having Six. negative conversations. Yeah, watching something that we don't enjoy. Where's the join? Um, mm. But speaking of which, we do enjoy this and we're going to watch an episode of it. So shall we... Um, yes, we, we will are. hit pause on the recording and we will be back in 42 minutes to um, talk about this episode. Don't go away. Have you ever wondered what so-called family films will scar your kids forever? Putting four or five-year-olds in front of this movie, it's like, if they didn't know what death was before this, they're going to know it after it. They're going to know it after it, and they're going to be freaking terrified. And they're going to be questioning you. Yeah. Or do you have the slight suspicion that your loved one is a cold, dead heart? Yeah, The Dark Knight has got like, all the orphans, and like, oh no, we're going to die. They did not build up those orphans at all. In my head, I was like, kill them. Then look no further, the His Film Her Movie podcast is the show for you. It's the movie podcast that celebrates the contrasting cinematic tastes of its hosts. So join Jordan and Lauren every week on their unique journey through the land of the silver screen. So if you're looking for a few laughs, some fun film-related chat, then get involved. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. So we've just finished watching episode 15 of season three of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., namely the episode Space Time. So, Hannah, impressions? Oh, that was a bit good, wasn't it? Mm. Before you say anything else, where was Mac? Mac? 
didn't he hurt himself in the last episode? I can't. I, I mean, I, I'm trying to remember. Is he if, if he was still off, kind of on holiday, or not? But it didn't occur to me until after the episode. I was like, where was Mac? Particularly considering that they were going in for a very action-intensive mission. They did. They did mention him. Did they? Yeah, at the start when um, Daisy said, "Oh, with Mac off, it'll be good to have." Extra muscle. Oh, okay. And okay. And saying, oh, I don't have any muscle. Right, okay. So it, w- it, it was referenced in the episode. It wasn't it, just... It was a, at the okay. very beginning. Cool. Oh, sorry, I was trying to get that out of the way. But anyway, yes, you were saying. Um, oh, that was a bit good, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, you were saying that. That's exactly what you just said. <laughs> um, no, I agree. I really enjoyed that episode. And it, I think... It was, it was just, you know, you can tell that the showrunners have written it because it, it just... It was like, ooh, there's well, so much the, in there. The thing I liked about it as well was that although it did have big storyline stuff, it was at the centre of it a standalone in the sense that it was it was the guest person yeah. of the week, you know, with their, their... But I think that because... With their magic powers. It, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, for example, we were, talk, we were talking about this when we were watching Star Trek Picard last night, which was a particularly fringe-ish episode in the way that, you know, fringe... Hannah and I have said a lot of the times that often you'll have, like, the guest villain of the week who will turn out to not be a villain so much as somebody who has experienced heartache and a common one mm. is a uh, a parent who's lost a child doing something to try and fix that and how the the let's not even say villains the antagonists mm. have often got very relatable um motivations yeah and often um, what that will do is that will be the central storyline and then our regular characters will relate to that subtextual stuff with whatever they've got going on. Mm. And this episode is very much one of those, but because it was done by you know one of the show's key directors and written by the key writers, it was just done with a, a, to a higher level than mm. I think you normally get on those ones. Yeah. Um, but also, the reason I, I mentioned the Mac thing was it didn't even occur to me that it wasn't in it until I was thinking, um, whilst I was urinating a moment ago, um, Delightful, uh, and I wasn't even in the bathroom. I was just, <laughs> I, was, I just enjoyed the episode that much. Now, um, was that you know I always waffle on about how when a show has a big event, when it's between big events, they do that. Let's see what we can do with the new status quo. Yeah. Um, the one of the defining elements of this new status quo is that there's less characters. And particularly when you have Mac not in it as well, mm. um, what I kind of enjoyed about this episode was because the core group of characters are quite depleted at the moment, it meant that you could have them all working together in one yeah, space. And, and it has that kind of slightly MacGyver feel to it, like yeah. we're not at full capacity. But it just made those, the implementing the entire team much more manageable. You know, like, like the scenes where... They're, like I say, they're all in the same room, and you don't get that. Usually, you've got a couple of them off on a mission or in the lab, or you know yeah. whatever. Um, so I thought that it was interesting from that perspective. But also, I just thought um, it was a very well produced episode, and it still managed to have a light beat in a couple of places. Yeah. Which, considering the thematic tones of of the storyline, was a feat in itself yeah and it felt like it kind of 
consolidated whilst it didn't sort of do any of those earth-shattering kind of big changes it felt like it kind of consolidated and refined certain elements of the show that were drifting a little bit mm. like Malik, uh, Ward, uh, all of those elements they were brought yeah, into focus of, yeah, a lot exactly. more. Yeah exactly and like a, a wee bit of actual purpose yeah. and intent yeah. of where they want the characters well, to go. I, I think that you had a little bit of time where there was a lot of um, Malik talking to the Mark Dacascos character and uh, Ward, zombie, monster Ward, sort of swanning around. And that felt... I think that maybe that was the point when they were trying to reshape the season a little bit. Yeah. Whereas I think now we've got to the point where they're like, right, okay, for better or for worse, this is what we're going to do. And it just feels more definitive and confident. Because mm. this is a weird point in the season for a for the showrunners to be writing an episode. Yeah. Usually they do the first and the last and what usually the big mid-season cliffhanger mm. for them to do an episode kind of two-thirds of the way through is weird yeah. and I think that partly that was the fact that they were like right we need to kind of write the ship a little bit here um, and I think yeah, they did it really well. Yeah, because we've only got seven episodes left before the end of the season. Yeah, exactly. So I think that they were having to tread water a little bit with some of those elements and I think now they're kind of close enough to continue the water metaphor. They're mm. close enough to land now that they can actually start moving things forward. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. And I think that it, it felt like... Um, I think that at the time, last week's episode, which is, you know, a lesser episode, I think having that after a couple of key characters leaving at the time probably was quite harmful because people were like, oh, that was probably the weakest episode of the season. And it's the episode after there's been this big change and these characters left. Like, like, is this what the show is now? Yeah. You know? Whereas, like, obviously, with the from the context of a rewatch, you know that it's that's not the case. It's just to take a breath. Yeah, so you can kind of pop your slippers on and just enjoy the episode. Yeah, very you know? much so. Um, but of a, and that's what one of the reasons why, and I was going to say this when we got to the point in the episode, but actually, this is probably a good segue. This whole... Um, I won't spoil what it means because in fairness I can barely remember but this whole flash forward thing with the spaceship yeah we were talking about how you know that's the old technique of kind of hook the audience and you know foreshadow and stuff I suspect that one of the reasons that they included that actually probably the key reason was as a vote of confidence for the audience particularly yeah. the hardcore audience because I think that they were probably thinking shit okay We've had to reshape the season because of all this behind-the-scenes stuff. You know, like two of our actors going mm. off to do this other show. Difficulty with a recurring actor who was going to be a big part of the show. Um, and I think that they were like, right, what we need to do is show the audience that we have a vision. Yeah. And that we know what we're doing and that we're still in control of things. So I think dropping in a... There's this thing that we're leading towards is a way of instilling confidence in the audience yeah and it is very like don't worry yeah. we know what we're doing yeah. we, we've we're, head, we're heading we've to something it. and yeah. it's going to be awesome mm. um, and I think also you know Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. you know when you look at when it came out you know the sort of mid 2000s uh, I mean obviously the internet had been around for a long time by then anyway but I think that the 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 show um, came out you know and obviously it came off the first Avengers movie really around the rise of Twitter. Mm. So the rapidity that positive and negative, the, the, the vibe um, of, of it's fandom, it's about the vibe, um, of fandom 
could come out really quickly. So I think yeah. that, that one of the things that they were very mindful of um, was, um, you know, the power of negative fan opinion can be quite sort of cancerous and can, you know... So I, I think that... I, they, actually, I, I think that's a, has been a big thing with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, people who didn't connect with it immediately just wrote it off and there were so many, like, oh, that was shit... And then just oh, I've yeah, only, oh I, I, I only I, watched three episodes. Yeah, or, or I was going to watch it, but I heard it was shit. Shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because I mean, the amount of conversations that you and I have had with people in the pub, just yeah. like you're a fool. Yeah. Watch it. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And no, exactly. And uh, and I think, like I said before, I mean, I'm not against this too much. I think the other thing was that it came out at the rise of around the time of the rise of prestige TV. It came out around the same time that you know. Um, the uh, what's it called? Um, Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. All of those sort of shows came out, and I think that there was a a little bit of snobbery. Hundred um, percent. And I it was think all that's True Detective and Fargo and all. But that. I think that that's starting to go a little bit now because I think that people have realised. Not to say those shows aren't great, but they are but just a, very different. Well, no, but also there's a lot of those shows yeah, now. I, I think that you know things like True Detective and Game of Thrones. They don't seem quite as special now because there's so many of them. Mm. And I think also what people have realised is zero rewatchability, most of oh, those shows. Yeah. Even shows that I really like, like um, like Breaking Bad, gr- are great, but they don't have the same rewatch allure mm. that a lot of these shows have I mean, have got. I've rewatched some Breaking Bad, but I'd have to say I tried to do a full rewatch of it, and I think I got. Uh, maybe midway through season three, yeah, and I started cherry picking well, after that. The thing I just is, I couldn't. So it much, felt started to feel like a slog. So much of every TV show, because it's ongoing, has something that fuels it, and I think that one of the things that fuels a lot of prestige TV is um, the suspense. The, mm. like, like, and I don't necessarily mean that in a mystery box kind of like you know what's going to happen next, what's but but what's in the box? But with Breaking Bad, for example, and a lot of shows are like this. Um, it's about it's a, it's a, it's just about suspense. It's about the oh my gosh, how's he going to get out of this? What is he going to get caught? Is he? And I think that not to take anything away from the show because they're incredibly well produced oh, and well acted and put together. Yeah. But I do think that if you remove that, it does deflate. Well. I, I think the difference for me wasn't so much the suspense being removed, but when I rewatched Breaking Bad, in my mind I'm thinking, oh God, he's going to have this happen to him and that happen to him, and the yeah, yeah, and he's going to have to deal with this, this, and this, depressing, depressing, depressing. Yet when I rewatch Agents of Shield, like I know there's lots of stuff that they have to deal with and endure and all that kind of thing, but I'm thinking. Ooh, it's nearly at the bit where this happens. Ooh, yeah, well, I remember I remember reading an happens. interview with Brian Fuller, who um, he was the um, he he was the co showrunner on Star Trek Discovery on the first season. Yeah, and he's done a lot of great stuff. He did like Pushing Daisies. Um, he did uh, Heroes. Um, God, what else has he worked on? He's worked on a lot a load of shows, and um, he was saying he was kind of. He did Hannibal as well, that show with Mads Mikkelsen. Mm. And he, he was kind of like a little bit down on, on, on a lot of the so-called premium TV because he was saying that um, 
I think he's he, 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 a man after my own heart because he used a kind of um, musical analogy. He was talking about um, hair metal and how hair metal was squashed by grunge. Mm. And grunge had this very sneery kind of attitude yeah. about, oh, hair metal is stupid. He's like, you know what? He's like, if you actually look at grunge, as it turns out, there are probably like, what, two, maybe three good bands? Mm. He's like, there are probably 20 good hair metal bands. He's like, yeah, so yeah. Who's, who's laughing now? Yeah. You know? And I think that it's a little bit like that with Prestige TV in the way that there were some great shows. You know, I mean, I've not seen it, but, you know, I've seen them. But Sopranos and The Wire, I take it under advisement that they're great shows. Breaking Bad's another one. You know, that first we season of True Detective. It. All of those things. Yeah, absolutely. But the problem Fargo. is... Prestige TV now has become a style mm. that everybody's doing. Yeah. And, and it's kind uh, of a uh, flooded market. But one of the defining elements of it is that it's generally quite unpleasant. Yeah. And the, 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 the thing that Brian Singer was talking about that got me thinking on this track was he was like, it's so much easier to do depressing than to do positive well. Mm. That's why people can't do Superman movies, but every, but they can. But they make ten Batman films a year. It seems like yeah. it's so easy to do awful things happening to people and people navel gazing. Well, it's like whoever said it's easier to make people cry than it is to make them laugh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that one of the reasons why um, a lot of the stylistic things are popular at the moment, ongoing storylines, all this kind of stuff, is it's actually easier to do. Mm. You know, whereas like to make a, sh- and I, I am no fan of this show, so I'm using it as an example to show my objectivity here. Doing something like CSI, that show must be fucking must have been so difficult to make. Yeah. You know, to make 24 of those a year, to to make them with that level of popularity, to tell different stories each week, and to have um, characters and situations that audiences would want to return to every week. Yeah. Considering the subject matter. I mean, what a fucking tightrope, you know. And given the amount of, you know, CSI Miami, CSI New yeah, York, yeah. it's like, you know, there's a lot of shit going on. Yeah, there. whereas like Better Call Saul, oh, we do 10 every two years. Yeah. It's like... Um, <laughs> No wonder it's good. <laughs> you better be fucking Freaking excellent. Um, okay, well, should we get into the um, into the episode itself? Yep. Okay, let me just get my spectacles on. Uh, oh, actually, they're steamed up. We um, we open up with uh, we see a homeless man uh, in an alley, uh, and he's basically being uh, kindly asked to move on by a concerned local business owner. Yeah. He is recoils when the business owner offers him some money as a sort of incentive to go. And they touch and he cries out, help me, Daisy. And he starts sort of some jibber-jabber about uh, Hydra. And um, what we learn is that S.H.I.E.L.D. um, monitor all emergency calls. And they pick this up because obviously it's got a couple of red flag words. Um, The two words being Daisy Johnson. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and we see, and basically what we learn is that this this restaurant owner, Edwin, when he touched this guy, Charles, um, saw the future. Yeah, um, and I like the, the several things that they do in this episode you know, on a science fiction level that I really like. I like the plot device of it, but I also like how um, the idea—not only their idea of time travel, but the way that they explain it and articulate it—I mm. think is is really great because this you always hear in science fiction, like Star Trek, will say this a lot, where they'll see something happen. Um, and they're like, oh, we have to be careful because our knowledge of it could affect what we do and make it not happen or make it happen differently. Here, they're like, no, but it's 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 almost like fate. Yeah. They're like, no, it's going to happen. 
it's already happened, you know. And then they, you know, there's that great scene where, um, you know, they talk about space time, and Fitz basically says, "Look, if if somebody just lived in a two dimensional existence and he uses a piece of paper, he said they wouldn't even be able to conceptualize um, three dimensional space. It would just be a complete um, head fuck." And you know, he he gets a stack of paper and basically talks about how you know if you draw a line along the side of this stack. Um, all it is is all of these flat things experiencing it separately. Yeah. Um, they all still exist and they're all there. So the idea being is that if you remove linear time as a possibility, then basically everything has happened, is happening, and will happen. Yeah. You know, and it's one of those things where you can't really get your head around it unless you're, you know, the uh, the brilliant or the damned. You know. Yeah. Um, and I've said before, I can't remember what context it was, but about how. Uh, it's not unusual uh, to be loved by anyone. <laughs> no, um, to, uh, <laughs> it's like who are you going to call? It's like it's just an unusable phrase in modern society, yes, isn't it? Uh, yeah. We see that he's seen the future, and that it was Charles that made him see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I like the way that they show it as well because we don't know what's going on at this point, and they mobilise and they get there. And the the restaurant owner who's had this vision runs up to Daisy, and um, he's like, "Oh, you know." Um, you're her, you're this. her. Yeah. And uh, she's like, well, you know, how do you know Hydra? And he's like, well, because that's what she will scream. And then a second later, you see the Hydra, you know, helicopter come down and May screams Hydra. So yeah. you're seeing, oh, okay, this is all, this is all happening as, as he explained it. And he's reserved to it as well. Like the fact that he's like, okay, I'm going to die now. Um, yeah, this is and, where I die. Yeah. And it's the idea that time is almost like um, it's on tracks. Yeah. And you're kind of just, you know, you're going along with it. Yeah. Um, so we see the Hydra attack. Good production value on this episode as well. I think because the last episode, and this is a classic TV thing, the last episode was a much lower key one from a spectacle perspective. Bit of a, um, bit of a money saver. Yeah, absolutely. So this week they were like, right, okay, we can get the toys out again yeah, this week. You know, um, Absolutely. And um, so uh, he says, this is where I die. Um, so they grab um, the the villains, grab Charles. Um, she, um, we, we see when he touches her that she gets a vision of the future and it all looks very awful and uh, we see Lincoln all bloody-faced. The um, future is not bright. No, it is not. Or orange. No. Um, we see um, Ward looking like an extra from um, the Matrix knockoff Equilibrium. Do you remember that film? Um, the Christian Bale gun fu movie from the early 2000s. No. Um, we see that he, he comes to have dinner with Malik, um, and Malik tells him that his ancestors believed that they would be rewarded. Um, and I just like the slow mo flicky flicky. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Billy Coated King of Pain. Yeah. And, um, and we see um, that there's a really good conversation, and this is what I mean about how things are just brought into sharper focus. And I think a lot of the time, it's not that the showrunners are better writers, but it's that they're in charge. Yeah. So sometimes I think they might say, right, okay, so do a little bit of stuff about this, but don't go too far with it because we want to save that later. Yeah. They're the showrunners, so they're like, right, okay, so we're going to just fucking do it there. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and what, the context that you get in this basically is, and we're, and this goes a little bit to that that um, message, I can't remember if it was an, an email or um, a YouTube message about, you know Malik's disappointment and we were like you know is it just that he doesn't like having a boss anymore is it and I think this speaks to this because um Ward basically says to him and this is the writer saying this to him he's like they're like well what do you actually want mm. you know what is your because you there's a reason why when you see 
the cliched actor or people parody actors. Actors always go, what's my motivation, man? Oh, yeah. Um, because you need to know that. You, you, Absolutely. You, because like like he says... What is this character's got, motivation? You know, unlimited money. Yeah, he's like, you've got $9 billion. He's like, you know, how? what actual impact will it have on your life? And what Zombie Ward recognises is that it's about power. And power isn't the same as wealth. No. Um, and it isn't the same as control. Power is about subjugation. It's about taking something about from people. Power. Well, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> great here, but <laughs> I can't not say it. Um, so he, but, so in answer to this question, though, uh, Malik says that his ancestors believed that they'd be rewarded um, with basically taking over the world. Mm. And when he says this, it's, there's a great little sort of look on Zombie Ward's face where you almost see him thinking, ah, it's a classic take over the world. Ah, my young yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Um, and he says to him, he's like, well, what does that look like to you? Yeah. You know, it's like, is this kind of like, you know... How freaky are we getting here? Yeah, are we talking like base in a volcano kind of yeah, yeah. levels of evil? Are we or? talking post-apocalyptic? Yeah, are yeah, we yeah. talking like yeah. we're eating grapes yeah. off the heads of slaves? Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And he says that power is what you seek, not wealth or clout. And that cracks me up as well because um, clout in the north of England is slang for vagina. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I can't hear that. And I lived with a Mike girl giggles from... giggles every time he hears the word clout. Yeah. I lived with a girl who from Liverpool when I was uh, at university. Yeah. And um, she would use that phrase. That was her, her descriptive term for vagina. So the word clout is just... Uh, Ruined. Yeah, forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was all, it's always used when describing the vagina of a woman of low repute as well. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's not a... Um, it's never a fresh vagina. It's not a celebratory word. Let's put it that way. Um, so... Um, the thing that uh, one of the things I love as well, and it's something that Shield does very well, um, is when Coulson says, "Well, is this actually even possible?" And they all just sort of bitch please him, like all the mad shit we've seen. And he's like, "Okay, silly question, you know? Of, 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 of course it is, a uh, dumb I, question." I like, I like the fact that yeah, May just goes, "This is dumb." dumb yeah, 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 yeah. And and he talks about can we change it? And they're like, "No, no, that's the future. Mm. That is going to happen." You know. Mm. Um. So what they the, the approach that Coulson takes, and he he is like, "Look, I don't understand any of this shit." He's like, "But." If we're saying that all these things happen and they happen in this place and these people are here, surely if we just don't allow them to go out, like specifically um, Daisy, it can't happen. Mm. You know, and there's a feeling that okay, you can try and do that, but um, you know, as, as Goldblum says in Jurassic Park, you know, nature finds a way. Yeah. Um, so one of the I think the enjoyable aspects of this episode is seeing the chess pieces and, move around to make it happen that way. You and, know. Um, I like the fact that they kind of verbalise that with Fitz saying, I can't wait to see what happens for me not to be able to yeah. go. And, and to so remind an Andrew, the audience, like, yeah. you need to watch out for these things because it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And they do, there's, there's a little bit of writing showing when May gets uncharacteristically pissed off about the whole service thing because I think at that point they needed to bring Andrew back into the conversation mm. because he's going to appear later on in the episode. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, when he does appear, I was surprised by that. Um, and it's the classic, like, um, oh, God, what's his name? Disgraced actor. Uh, Kevin Spacey. It's like Kevin Spacey turning up at the at the end of Seven, just out of the blue. Mm. You know, the, the unexpected um, fugitive kind of, yeah. Stripped off. Yeah. 
And um, so I think that yeah, it was it was it was well handled. Um, I'm sure, if I saw someone with no fingerprints on any of their fingers, I'd think that they were completely normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd be like that. Uh, never think uh, yeah, that's yeah, suspicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not remotely suspicious. But um, so we see that. Um, just watch out if they're going to a leather goods company. <laughs> well, yeah, quite. Um, I, and as I mentioned earlier on, I like the explanation and the whole sort of like, you know, uh, two dimensions versus three dimensions. So basically, Corsi said, Coulson says, Corsi? I was going to say, Corsi uh, says, but Dazen. <laughs> no, Corsi says, but Dazen. <laughs> um, must stay put. Um, I like the fact that Lincoln says that he never saw the original Terminator, and Corsi's like, right, you're off the team. It's like Spurk and Cock. Yeah, Spurk and Cock. <laughs> and uh, what was the other one? Oh, uh, Fran and Sodo. <laughs> That's all I've got. slips up on a few times as well. <laughs> Scalder and Mully. <laughs> there was, um, That's a good one. We, we see that, the, that, that they want some of the servers to be kept to um, so Simmons and May can continue their, their lash hunt. Um, and we see Ch- Charles's wife, um, who sort of talks, um, explains the kind of the origin storyline of a tragedy. Three X-Men, the whole not being able to touch somebody. Yeah. And about how he, you know, he couldn't even hold his daughter because she'd get like horrible visions of death. Uh, which cal- is not what you want. Carved a little bird for her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She's never going to see. Yeah, I oh, know she will because Daisy will hook her up. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised there wasn't. If this was a movie, there'd have been a scene of her going, here you go. Here's your fucking. Yeah. <laughs> Take it. I like, there's a nice little technique that they use actually um, when um, Daisy is talking to Charles's wife, where it's a security cam footage. And obviously, what they're doing is um, sort of just to inside baseball it. They're obviously just shooting it on a regular film camera, but they've put like a filter on it to make it look like a security camera. Mm. And as the camera zooms in, they just remove that filter. But what the effect that creates is that you're watching a security camera, but you go through the camera into the scene. So really, I've never seen that technique used mm. before, but it actually works and it's kind of effective. Yeah. Um, so what basically what we learn is that he experienced terogenesis. Yes. Um, and he would always see a death when he touched somebody. Um, and But the thing that sent him mad was um, the, the inevitability of it, that he could mm. never make a difference. Yeah. You know, um, and that was kind of what led him to a life of um, sort of... Solitude. Yeah, hoboitude. Mm. Um, and, and he could never hold his daughter again. Mm. Uh, Malik, we see Malik wants to, uh, goes along to uh, with Zombie Ward and says that he wants to buy this tech company, Transia. And they, they kind of like guffaw at him, like, not a chance. Oh, know. my young friend. Yeah, yeah, you just, you, that's not going to happen. And, um, but as we all know, if you turn up with someone um, in a swishy long black coat, you're all going to die. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they bring Charles in. Um, who basically gives them a vision and makes them see that they're all going to go kind of end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, like melty yep. Nazi. Yep. Um, and um, they do it anyway. Um, and, and this is what we get to... old zombie wards are a pedant. Well, yes. Said, oh, no, I said, I will be doing this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, so you did. Oh. Um, you get us no technicality. And then... Then you get I think, your apostrophe RE. <laughs> um, and then you get the, I think, the sort of most fun part of the episode, which is the idea that because Daisy can't go, but she's had the vision, she kind of does, it's, it's almost like a Serrano de Bergerac um, action sequence mm. because she says, well, I know how it's going to go. Um, so I can train you. We can set up a room and be like, right, okay, this is where the printer is. This is where the desk is. I'll take you through the fight and you can rehearse it. Yeah. And it reminded me a little bit of like Edge of Tomorrow. 
Yeah. Um, the, and and that vi- the idea of it's like a video game. It's like all of a sudden when you play a video game, you you know you have a go at a level, and then you know you get shot, and you're like, right, okay, I'll do that. And then after you've done it four or five times, you get into this rhythm. You get uh, in the zone is the term yeah. that people use. Um, and you can look like you're incredible, but really what you're doing is you're, it's a kind of, it's a ballet you've of done sorts. It, you've done it wrong so many times that yeah, you yeah. know it's, it's the steps to get you through. Exactly. It's a, it's a process of re- repetition, refinement through repetition, mm, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that's what they're doing here. And it gives them an opportunity to have some comedy beats as well with like... Uh, um, Fitz and Simmons just being like you know terribly English about it all and mm. apologising because they're forgetting to fall and all that kind of stuff um, and again this is a great use of the cast because they've got such good chemistry and because the cast like I say is a little bit depleted at the moment they're able to kind of just get them in a room and that's when you get to just sort of this is where you can see I think that this is an episode done by the showrunners because they just know everybody's strength so much mm. like yeah. whether that be their physicality um, or whether that just be the type of um, beats that they can land really well on the on the show, and you've got a director who is you know related to, to the the writing uh, to the showrunners yeah. and has, has shot a lot of the episodes. So in these scenes, there's a real sense of virtuosa going on that they're just sort of it's like a band who have played together for years, just fucking jamming, you know. Yeah, and yeah, I think 100%. that it's stuff like that that makes this a good episode. Mm. Um, so we can see Malik gets like an exo suit and a. a, a bit like you know sort of like a refined looks looks, looks like something out of a james cameron movie um, i mean it looks like De- deathlock tick it does yeah yeah absolutely mm. um although i kept thinking about that um uh pixar short of toy story of toy story the the one oh the dinosaurs the land that time forgot or whatever yeah, it yeah. was and uh when rex gets the exoskeleton so he's got long arms superpowers yeah yeah oh, so good. Um, and this is where Zombie Ward gets him to kill the suit. And basically, the idea being that Malik's never really got his hands dirty. And he's saying, look, you need to know what this is like. Yeah. You know, you need to go from being villainous to being evil, you know? Yeah. Um, so, and one of the things that you see here as well is how much of Ward is still in there. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like a lot of the kind of the, um, just the sort of, like the choices, vindictive stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so you can see that um, the, the the Marvin or what's the planet called again? Marveth. The Marveth creature uh, and Ward are kind of they're a really bad influence on each other. Yeah. It's like me and my friend Ian when we get together with with vodka, vanilla you know, vodka, uh, where yeah. any kind of vodka. Yeah, it's about especially. <laughs> and. Um, so, so yes, yeah, so we get the impression that they're sort of they're both driving here. Um, so this is where Andrew surrenders himself, um, and he's about to turn to Lash for the last time, um, and wants to say goodbye. And this is where Daisy gets swapped out at the urging of Coulson. Mm-hmm. Um, Coulson worries that fate is preventing them from succeeding with this sudden, you know, unexpected intervention. I think there's a, there's a this is there's little moments in this episode that make you see that it's written by the showrunners. Like there's a really nice moment when Colson's saying Coulson goodbye and, and he and he yeah. calls a sky. Yeah. And he's like, ah oh, damn it. And it does feel like in that moment, if I was watching this first time, I'm thinking, fuck, is one of them actually gonna die? You know, and yeah, yeah. and I don't think they're trying to do that, but I think that that's it's just It's just renewing the father daughter connection. Yeah. But there's no you know, one of the reasons I like it is that there's no ulterior motive for it within the episode. No. It is literally just a beat that the writers thought would be a nice moment. Yeah. You know, and I think I think it's just a renewing of 
um, you know, remembering the bond that they have. Because, he still thinks of her as Sky. Yeah, and and you know they they have been sort of um, separated by the boss um, boss employee. Yeah, he's had to be Mister Tough Love, hasn't he? A yeah, lot. Yeah, so it, it's just reminding the audience that there's still another layer of caring. Yeah, that's, that's, that's still on. there. Yeah, 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 and um. So we get a bit of time with May and Andrew, um, and basically he suggests that he, f- he feels like Lash is fighting for a higher purpose that they don't yet understand. And that ties also into what um, Lincoln has said to Coulson about how he believes that the Inhumans all have a purpose. Yeah, they fill some genetic gap or, or yeah. and need. So, so Lash like, must have one yeah, as well. Yeah, so Lash's... Like they're sort of hinting at the fact that Lash's purpose, in quote marks, um, hasn't quite been revealed. Oh yeah, yet. well no, they say that. They, I mean, he, he um, yeah, Andrew pretty much well theorizes that. At yeah, least. yeah. And um, so we see um, they see Ward, which obviously is another spanner in the works, uh, and that's revealed to us, the audience too, um, just as she arrives at Transia. May says that um, he would have um, been okay if they never met. So you get the feeling that one of the reasons why May has been so kind of militant about going after Andrew is that there's there's a self-hating element here. She feels guilty. Yeah. Mm. And then we get a really nice little action sequence as Daisy goes through the routine um, that we've seen her practice before. And did you kind of feel like, okay, she's going to roll and she's going to go under the table? like Because she's seen it a couple of times. But I like the fact that what this says is there's always going to be things you can't factor in and the thing that they couldn't factor in was the guy's holster getting stuck yeah like everything goes according to plan and then she goes to pull the holster out and she's like oh it doesn't work mm. and that's when gonna... she uses the power yeah and you realise that if it had been May there um, it, she would have died she, yeah, yeah, she, yeah. Uh, so it, it's just a sort of nice little you can plan for everything but sometimes mm. you can do everything right and things will still Shit go happens. wrong you know yeah um, so Coulson rocks up there because they want to find Ward and I like the fact that he's like, yep, day got weirder, you know, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, he should have touched wood earlier when he said that. So they're on the roof. We've got uh, old Robo Malik as well. And May and Andrew he's have now a... slightly drunk with power. He is, yeah, yeah. He's got a real fucking death woody going on, isn't he? Mm-hmm. And um, we see um, May and Andrew have a kind of little sort of Wrath of Khan against the glass oh, kind yeah. of moment. Um, we see Gordon saves her, and that's a nice little kind of like white tulip um, moment for him because he finally gets to make a difference so he can mm-hmm. die in peace. Yeah. Um, and this is such a Joss Whedon moment where they realise that because Fitzsimmons talk about how oh maybe it isn't tonight because it's not snowing mm. and when they realise it's Ash and Simmons is like oh maybe this is where we hold hands yeah it's like do you remember the episode of Buffy when it's Christmas and they talk about it never snows in California and Angel has just got his soul back and he's going to kill himself and he's standing there waiting for the sun to come up and Buffy's like you've got to you 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 know you um you're gonna die and he's just like no I, you know i'm evil i'm evil and she's like oh i'm sure if there was a god there'd be a sign and then he starts to snow yeah and when the episode ends with that and you see them hold hands and walk through it almost feels like that this is a reference to that yeah. like she's like oh i guess we should hold hands now because that's what happens in like joss whedon shows yeah yeah <laughs> when something like this happens <laughs> um and she also says to him, some things are inevitable. You know, so yeah. she's talking about their relationship, but she's also talking about space-time, you know, yeah, this, yeah. this phenomenon yeah. they've got going on. So, and that's a classic good bit of good writing where you have um, the subtextual 
elements of the kind of uh, monster of the week um, informing the greater relationships and character arcs of the the primary um, players you yeah. know in the show yeah um, and um, Daisy promises to protect Charles's daughter um, and um, that's a nonsense I've got my next note is suave ship <laughs> I think that might suave be a ship. I, th- I think that that might be a uh, a, a bit of a typo and um, he dies um, and then um, yeah we see the the crow defects <laughs> the crow oh the crow yeah um, Mark De- DeCascos he played the crow in the crow too oh, right. so the crow defects over to um, the uh, zombie ward yep. side yep. of things and he mentions that Malik sounded afraid as well so we can see it's like because Malik's had his vision from the dead guy yeah mm. so Malik's all nervous and kind of damn your unexpected but inevitable betrayal yeah um, the zombie ward it's like you just can't find a trustworthy zombie ward anymore, can you? Um, so, Hannah, sum up. Anything else you want to add before we finish um, up? No. Uh, what do I want to sum up? I would give that two thumbs up, four and a half out of five stars. Um, just bloody good fun. Yeah. It was really good. Very entertaining 42 minutes of television, I would agree. Indeed. What are you talking about next time, Hannah? Uh, okay, the next episode is called Paradise Lost. mm um, synopsis says the team hunts for information on a new enemy Malik's secret from his past threatens to destroy his Hydra legacy oh no oh no couldn't happen to a nicer guy it is directed by Wendy Stanzler first time director I think for S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, yeah I haven't heard her name before but she's got in her uh, credits known for Sex and the City Parks and Recreation Amongst many, many Sick other on. things. Um, so we'll find out more about her next time. Yep. Um, and it is written by George Kitson. Oh. Um, and also Sharla Oliver. Oh, cool. Um, so, two uh, names we have Yeah, heard. so new across the board. It says, George Kitson is known for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, and Eagle Eye. Yeah. Well, that's us for this week. Quick reminder that we appreciate emails at rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at rewatchproj. And Apple podcast reviews are always appreciated. And check out our friend shows, several of which you will have heard promos during the break on this show. So we will be back to talk about episode number 16 of um, season three of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. very soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.